0: Pleasant good morning to all of you. We're glad you're here. The visitors we have, we're grateful for you and those online. We're always glad to have you with us. The West Huntsville Church of Christ is bent on doing what God says. We try very hard, and I hope this class helps in that. We're studying today Romans 13. When it comes on the screen, you might not think it is because I have a lot of other scriptures on there, but... We will not read all of those, but I wanted them on there as references. I will go to them and talk about them just a little bit. I don't have to have it to start. It'll come on after a while. Let every soul be subject to governing authorities. It's going to be a while before we get there. 1979, I moved into an old Southern town, had a little boy, 11 years old. He came home one day and he said, daddy, I, I was riding my bike today and a policeman stopped me. And he said, I couldn't ride on the street. I had to ride on the sidewalk. I said, well, that's a new one for us. I said, "Ride on the sidewalk must be the law in this city. He came in about two weeks later. He said, Daddy, a policeman stopped me, told me I couldn't ride on the sidewalk. I had to ride on the street. I don't know how we solved that. I know what I should have done, but I don't know how we solved it. But he kept riding his bike. So maybe he worked it out. Sometimes laws are very vague. Sometimes authorities change laws and don't let us know. It's just the way it is. I want to read from Matthew 22. I do want to read all of this to introduce the idea of our government and uh, talk about some other things as well. Then the Pharisees went and plotted how they might entangle him in his talk. And they sent to him their disciples with the Rodian saying, wow. The Pharisees sent him their disciples with the Herodians. The Pharisees were a religious group. You know that, of course. They were very strict in their ways. And the Herodians were a political group. Herod was, Herod the Great was a part of that. He died in 4 BC. You remember after he had tried to kill all the babies under two, Jesus was one of them. He tried to kill Actually, Jesus in the year of our Lord, 1 A.D., was about seven years old. Now you figure that one out. However, Herod was dead many years before, but his descendants had taken up the case, and they built a dynasty, and they controlled uh, Israel and those surrounding areas. So this political group and this religious group came to Jesus, and they have a question for him says teacher we know you're true now oh I forgot Luke 16 Luke 13 I like this Jesus had a way of saying what he thought and sometimes we get very critical of others for saying something negative about a political official I think we have a right to do that incidentally Uh, Jesus did Luke 13 I want to read this on that very day some Pharisees came to him saying get out and depart from here for Herod wants to kill you and he said to them go tell that fox behold I cast out demons and perform cures uh, today and tomorrow on the third day I shall be perfected when we see the term that fox we think he means that sly cunning creature that's not what he meant foxes are sly and cunning today. They weren't sly and cunning then. They were second-class citizens. You go tell that no good fella is what he's saying here. Behold, I cast out demons and perform cures today. Tomorrow on the third day, I'll be perfected. Talking about his resurrection, of course, his death and resurrection, but he's simply saying, he doesn't understand me. He's a low-class man. Just go give him this message and forget about it. Anyway, the Herodians came to him with the Pharisees, Teacher, we know you're true and teach the way of God in truth, nor do you care about anyone, for you do not regard the person of men. Compliments, compliments, compliments. Jesus knew better. Tell us, therefore, what do you think? Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? God him. Claims to be a king, claims to be the son of God. He's got to say yes or no here. He's going to get in trouble either way. But Jesus perceived their wickedness. They said good things about you, Lord. What do you mean? They talked about how you care for people, how you don't show respect to men. And they asked you a legal question. Yeah, I know they did. They're trying to trick me. Perceived their wickedness. He said, why do you test me, you hypocrites? Show me the tax money. So they brought him a denarius. He said to them, whose image and inscription is this? And they said, Caesar's. And he said to them, render therefore to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God, the things that are God's. When they had heard these words, they marveled and left him and went their way. (laughs) They were saying, how did we get into that? Why were we so stupid? He makes such good sense. We can't believe we did that. They marveled at his wisdom. I must say something to you as brothers and sisters in Christ, because we're all trying to lead people to Christ. Sometimes we preach too much. Brother Glenn, I'm not talking about you. Brother Glenn preaches fine sermons. That's what this pulpit is for. But that's not what someone's living room is for. And we go into their living room and preach... And they listen sometimes. We get over a cup of coffee and preach, tell them how wrong they are. They listen, they don't do anything about it. I just have one recommendation to, for you ask questions. Don't give information, ask questions when you contact your neighbor about Christ. You'd be surprised how far you can get. Whose image and inscription is on this? Oh, that's uh, that's Caesar's. You mean you mean this money here? This money you give for tribute has Caesar's inscription on it. Well, yeah. Well, what do you think about that? <laughs> he says, and this he didn't say that, but he thought that. And they said, oh, oh, render to Caesar's things that Caesar's; to God, things that are God's. In Mark 8, and I don't want to uh, read all this, but the people came to him asking for a sign and he said, why, do, why does this generation seek a sign? and surely I say to you unto you, no sign shall be given this generation." And then he told his disciples, "Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod." And the disciples said, "It's because we had no bread." He's warning us about leavening. And then at the end of this, he said, do you not perceive or understand your heart's hard? Is your heart still hardened? He was really saying, you're pretty dumb people to think I'm talking about bread. I'm not talking about bread. I'm talking about something more important than that. Now, one more point before we go into the text about talking about the officials. Paul is on trial are making a defense in Acts 23. And he said, I've lived in all good conscience up to this day. And the high priest said, smite him on the mouth. And somebody slapped him. And Paul rebuked the high priest. God will smite you, you whitewashed wall. You have a position. You look like you're something, but you're bad behind. You just look like it. That's an official. That's an official in the uh, Jewish religion, one that Paul had served. But Paul was rebuked for that. And you might disagree with me on this. And you have a right to because I don't know. I said, you shouldn't rebuke a person of God. And, and Paul apologized. And he said, oh, I didn't know he was a man of God. I think Paul was being sarcastic. He had probably served in that court. If he had not served in the court, he had been there. He'd been there for many reasons. He'd been there to condemn Christians, testify against them. He knew where the high priest sat, and he knew what kind of clothes he wore. And he knew what his position was, and he knew what his authority was. And I think he said, oh, oh, sorry, I didn't know he was high priest. In other words, high priest don't act that way. He's not acting as a high priest should. Well, them's my sentiments to get this started, I hope, and I hope it works out nicely. Let every soul be subject to governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Therefore, whosoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God, and those who resist will bring judgment to themselves very interesting you know who was president of the empire at that time well we'd call him emperor his name was Nero you know anything thing about Nero well here are a few things he had his mother killed for one thing he also had a place where he really enjoyed having parties and this is going to be rather explicit but I'm going to say it anyway he had a large pond there a lake And he would make occasions that he would take a a boat out, well lighted, with people to perform for him, and they would perform homosexual acts at the party to a cheering crowd on the shores. And meanwhile, there would be people who were dipped in oil and tar, some Christians, and fastened to a stake and ignited to serve as light. For those along the shore. That was Nero. He was a wicked, wicked, wicked man., huh, there is no authority except as appointed by God. I do not believe this means that God appoints every ruler, but he certainly has given license to us to develop nations governments. We have the authority to do that. We should do it. It's his idea. It has to be that way. We have to have laws. We have to have someone to enforce the law. I remember years ago as I watched Saddam Hussein act so foolish. And then when he was finally put out of position, I saw men tearing his statues down And jumping up and down on his head. And I said, these guys, and I almost cheered. I said, these guys are doing what they want to do to him. They are victorious. Then I said, not really. What's going to happen now? Have all these men that are rejoicing over his demise? They're stopping him. They're cheering. But when all that cheering stops, who's in control It looked like civil war to me, and it was not nice, by the way. Authority is for a purpose of keeping some kind of peace. You know, Nebuchadnezzar, ever heard of that guy? Nebuchadnezzar ruled in an empire that lasted less than a hundred years. But if you'll go back and look at God's people, you will see that they could not have done what they had to do except Nebuchadnezzar, And his government existed. Could not have done that. Nebuchadnezzar, of course, was an evil man. He did things we can't imagine. He killed many of the Jews. How very sad. God even turned him into a beast-like creature. He went into the field and ate grass His nails grew like an animal's nails because he refused to follow God. However, God put that government into existence and used it very effectively. The Neo Babylonian empire used it very effectively to bring his people into the Persian empire that brought them back to Jerusalem where the temple was rebuilt and where the walls were constructed around Jerusalem by Nehemiah later on. That's something we just don't understand. All there is to it. God sets up governments. He does not sanction everything a government does, everything a leader does. He never has, and He never will. In Acts 4, verse 16, Peter and John healed a lame man, priest, captain of the temple. The Sadducees were asking, What shall we do with these men? For indeed, that a notable miracle has been done through them is evident to all who dwell in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. Oh, we want to. We want to deny they did this, but we can't deny that. But we can't let it go. I remember reading something an evolutionist said to another evolutionist, this really happened. I don't know how the details right now. But he said, uh, Sir, I heard your speech about how things came to be, and you know you made some arguments that are just not valid. He said, Yeah, I know I did. But he said to tell a lie is better than to accept the alternative. <laughs> the alternative is that God created things. We can't do that. Say anything you want to, any way you want to. God did not create heavens and earth. Tell as many lies as you want to now. We can't let people believe that he did. So that's what's happening here. We can't let them get by, get by with this miracle. We saw a man get up and walk who had never walked. We saw it. We know it happened. We know it was a miracle, but we got to do something about it. That We can't deny it, but so this spreads no further among the people, let us severely threaten them that from now on they speak to no man in this name. And they called them and commanded them not to speak in the name or teach in the name of Jesus Christ. But Peter and John answered and said, whether it be right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God, you judge for we cannot help but speak to things which we have seen and heard. Thank you, Peter and John. Did they disobey the governing authority? Absolutely they did. Did they have any choice? Well, yes and no. They had a choice. They didn't have to do that. But to not do it would be to not please God. And they chose to please God. Wow. And I might point out that it was the Sadducees back there in verse 16 The Sadducees, well, I don't, yes, it is mentioned there. The Sadducees brought this charge against them. You know who the Sadducees were? Be careful. They started with Zadok, back with Solomon, developed into a mighty political power, about 10% as large as the Pharisees, but they had total control of the temple. Pharisees did not have control of the temple. Pharisees had other things they had to do. They wanted control of the temple, but couldn't. The Sadducees had control of the temple. They had total control of the spiritual aspect of the Israelites. As a matter of fact, this is an interesting tidbit. Won't cost you anything, but on the day of atonement, the Pharisees believed one thing and the Sadducees believed another about the incense inside the most holy place. One believed that the, that the high priest went inside the, the most holy place and lighted the incense back there. Another side believed that he had to light it outside and take it back there with him. I don't know which was which, I forgot. But the Pharisees were so strong, before the high priest went back there, they made him take an oath that he would do it like they thought it should be done. He didn't want to do that. But they would have stopped the proceedings. The Pharisees were strong enough to stop the proceedings. And he had to swear that he would follow the dictates of the Pharisees in that occasion. But that's only one of the few times they won. They did that every year for a while at least. So here the Sadducees bring these charges. And uh, how very sad. Verse 3, for rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. That's a general truth. Sometimes a ruler is a terror to good works. Hitler was. Joseph Stalin, I referred to Svetlana the other day without describing who she is. Joseph Stalin is somebody we don't know a lot about, but he made Hitler look like he was in kindergarten. Joseph Stalin was one of the most wicked men on earth and probably got by with it because it was his own people that he killed over 60 million of them. That's ten times as many as Hitler's allegedly killed. But generally, rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. Do you want to be unafraid of authority? Do what is good. You will have praise of the same. A general truth, again, not always true. In our culture, we're criticized sometimes because we do good and we don't get the praise but it should be this way because he is God's minister to you for good. But if you do evil, be afraid for he does not bear the sword in vain. He is God's minister and avenger to execute wrath on him who practices evil. I went into a courtroom one time serving on the grand jury, which is not, no, I was a regular jury, which is not my favorite thing to do. But the judge, whom I didn't know, called me to him. And he said, Will you open our session today in prayer? I said, Yes, sir, I will. And I prayed for him. I prayed for him as a minister of God. I called him a minister of God. Because that's what he was. That's what he is. To execute justice in that court. I like Matt Dillon. He didn't claim to be a Christian even in the gun smoke, but I like him. I remember his making a statement one time, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. He said, Wouldn't it be nice if we really believed that? Because if we did, I'd be out of business. I thought, Matt, you're all wrong on that. How does God take vengeance? Through our governing officials, through our policemen, through our courts. He doesn't do that some miraculous way. And every police officer, every judge is a part of God's vengeance. And uh, the government bears not the sword in vain. Government's intended for good, but when its laws violate the principles of Christ, we must adhere to Christian principles. We don't have any choice. You know what the Romans called the early Christians? Atheists. They're atheists. This is interesting. I'm sure that it's interesting to you. You know why they were called atheists? Because they didn't accept the uh, Roman pantheon, group of gods the Romans had. Rome had a way of saying, okay, you accept our gods and you can bring your God and you can place right here beside our gods and you just accept them and you bow down to them and that's what we want you to do. You want to bring Christ in here, bring him in here. Worship him. You know what the Christian said? No, it's Christ alone. It's not Christ and you know Jupiter, Neptune, Isis, it's Christ. They're atheists. They're refusing the majority of the gods. They got this one little God they've set up. Nobody believes in, but they've got this one little God. we let that happen. But they need to accept our Godhead. And they won't do it. You know what Jesus said about himself? I know you know, but I want you to get the feel of it. I am the Alpha and the Omega. And you know that means I am the A and Z. But have you seen that even? I am everything. I'm everything from A to Z, Alpha and Omega. That's who I am. Well, Lord, what about Zeus, Neptune? Neptune? We're not even going to talk about them. They're figments of men's imagination. I am the Alpha and Omega. And we need to keep on believing that and pushing that. I might have told this story before. I'll tell it again because it fits very well here. Years ago in Hamburg, Germany, I addressed a group of people, probably 200. Most of them were preachers. When I finished, I like to walk off the stage, but you don't do it over there. Wait, 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 wait. We have questions. And the young man from England, Brother Andrews, we have just been notified that probably law is going to be passed here that we have to perform same-sex marriages. What are we going to do? I said, I don't know. Here's what was happening, of course. They were getting an LGBTQ deity. You got to bow down to that deity. I said, I don't know what you're going to do. But I know what I'm going to do. If it happens in my country, I had no dream it ever would. Now I think it might. But when it does, I want to invite all of you to prison to visit. That's where I'm going to be. I will never, never throw that in God's face. I don't want to read Romans 1. You're very familiar with it. But I wanted it up there for you. The people turned away from God. And then uh, for this cause in verse 24, verse 26, for this reason, God gave them up to vile affections. What is the first affection? Now, I want to tell you something. The subject of homosexuality is so vague in the Bible you can't even understand. It. I don't know what it's saying. I hear people say that all the time. See if you can understand this. If you can't, I'll explain it to you in Big Cove language privately. For even their women exchange the natural use for what is against nature. Likewise, also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one to another, men with men committing what is shameful, committing themselves the penalty of their error, which was due. Why is he so vague about this? I, I can't dig down yet that. Can you, can you understand that? Of course. We understand it very well. Could not have been any plainer. Not in the plane at all. Now, let me say this quickly. God loves homosexual people. I do too. He hates homosexuality. He loves alcoholics, but he hates drunkenness. He loves gamblers, but he hates gambling. So don't ever think that we as members of the Church of Christ hate someone who is homosexual. We don't. We love those people and are very willing to help them in any way we can. Verse 5, therefore, you must be subject not only because of wrath, but for your conscience sake. That's what your conscience tells you to do if it's trained right. For because of this, you also pay taxes for their God's ministers attending continually this very thing. Render, therefore, all that is due, taxes. To whom taxes are due, custom to whom ta- customs is due, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. And I'm going to quickly say this because you're probably thinking about it. You mean I have to pay for prostitutes for the dignitaries? Yes, you do. You mean I have to pay for whiskey? For my officials to get drunk at a party? Yes, you do. It's tax money. And we have to pay taxes according to what's levied on us. We can't control that. Nero used tax money to build the Colosseum in which people were killed. Verse 8, owe no one anything except to love one another. He who loves another has fulfilled the law. Some people use that to say you can't owe any money to credit card or to uh, Sears and Roebuck that's out of date I know but you can you don't know it till it's due if you have a credit card debt and I hope you don't but it's not due until that time of month and you pay that payment and you don't know it anymore till the next month you're not violating anything we're not supposed to be exceedingly in debt and we're not supposed to be in debt to love and I might point out here and this is maybe may be insignificant but who that, he that does this has fulfilled the law. He has not fulfilled the law. He's fulfilled law. And this law can be applied in any way. He applies it here, it seems, though, to the law of Moses. The commandment, you shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. You shall not covet. If there's any other commandment, let it be summed up in this saying, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to his neighbor. The word love there is Agape. Some people call that the higher form of love. It's a different form. And it simply means to work in the person's interest. If I phileo you, that means that we're friends together. We mutually build each other. But I can agape you and you don't have to do anything. Agape your enemies, Jesus said. That means work in their interest. You see your enemy lying in the ditch, pull him out and do it gladly. That's your job. That's what agape love is. knowing this and do this knowing the time it is high time to awaken out of sleep for now salvation is nearer than when we believe the night is far spent your past life is over you keep growing you keep growing in Christ the day is at hand therefore let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light let us walk properly as in the day not in revelry and drunkenness Not in losing, lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy. The word revelry is interesting here. It was really a nocturnal running through the streets or parading through the streets in honor of Bacchus, the god of wine. It's people who've just lost it. They're fit for an orgy somewhere. They're going to it and that's how it is. How, How terrible. Make no provision. For the flesh to fulfil its lust. It certainly doesn't mean we can't have a, a job and lay up money in a bank account for some unforeseen thing or we can't have insurance. But it says don't provide for the satisfaction of the flesh in this terrible way that we're talking about. But put on the Lord Ooh, put on the Lord I thought they were I thought they already had. Galatians 3.26 says, you're all sons of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as are baptized into Christ to put on Christ. Had they done that? Yes. We need to understand, though, when we put on the Lord, we still need to put him on. We need to keep putting him on. First Peter five. First five beginning but also for this very reason, giving all diligence add to your faith virtue. I'm sure you've never heard this before. Add to your faith virtue, virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, to godliness brother kindness, and to brother kindness love. If these things are yours and abound, they will you will neither be barren or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness, and has forgotten that he was purged from his old sin. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure, for if you do these things, you shall never stumble. I don't know why he says, why he reminds us we need to put on Christ, but it may be for people like you and me who say, I don't need to do anything. I got my ticket punched a long time ago. I don't need to put on Christ. Yeah, I think he's reminding us we need to keep putting him on. Need to keep making it so. Need to keep living in him. We don't ever get through. We don't ever turn and say, I've got it made. We need to know. We need to be faithful to death. Well, that's a, that was kind of a hurry up reading, but we'll do that and We'll do that next week in Romans 14. And it's sure good to see you here. Sure good to uh, see you interested in this work, this class. And I th- I'm thankful for the people here who love God, who want to follow him. If you have questions outside of class, you may ask me. I'll send you to one of the elders or Glenn if you have a big question or Paul. But uh, you can come and ask me anyway if you want to. Let us bow together. Father, thank you for hearing us. Thank you for opening your ears. We pray that you'll open our ears, that you'll pierce them and keep us in your service as a slave. Dear God, help us as we study the Bible, every part of it. Bless us in this book of Romans. And thank you for the joy we receive. We receive for, for opening your book. Thank you, God, for this good church, for its leadership. Bless us as we try to serve others. We pray through Christ. Amen. Don't run in the hall. We hope you have enjoyed this lesson from God's Word. If you would like to continue your study of New Testament Christianity, please send your name and address to World Bible School, West Huntsville Church of Christ, 1519 Old Monrovia Road, Northwest, Huntsville, Alabama, three five eight oh six or if you prefer, send your name and address by email to WBS at westhuntsville